time to screw the norms. To fit in, we often hide what's on our minds, who we really are, or who we want to be, or even what we want to do. But now you're having the right conversations. Here, we'll talk about sex, relationships, and mental health, and how they interact with each other and so many other aspects of life. Shame can't survive when we're honest and curious with each other and ourselves. It's time for your mind to scream less and for you to screw more. I'm Rachel Wright, a non-monogamous queer psychotherapist and your host. Hello, friends, and welcome back to The Right Conversations. I am very, very excited to dive into um, lots of things today, but specifically, um, y'all have heard me talk about DBT a little bit. Um, You've heard me talk about one of my partners doing a DBT group. Um, I have had some clients that have gone through DBT and talk about it online and share about it. Um, And I'm just really excited to do a deep dive into that and probably some other stuff. But before we dive in, I want to introduce you to our guest today, which is Dr. JJ Kelly, also known as the Punk Rock Doc. Hi. Hi. Good for having me. (laughs) I'm so happy to have you. Will you tell everybody listening who you are, what you do, anything else you want them to know about your beautiful self? Oh, well, the basics are I... I was in a group practice for 14 years and over time I decided, "Mm, you know what? There are a lot of isms in the mental health field that we're like trying to eliminate in the rest of the world. Done this kind of like the straight way for as long as I think I can tolerate. I did two more years in private practice and I was like, ah, there needs to be something new some new paradigm and I, there, I couldn't find it. So I stopped private practice and I stopped saying patience and I started my own company and I do everything differently. That's why I say, you know, it's a punk alternative to traditional psychotherapy because I don't do therapy. I teach emotional intelligence skills based on DBT so that you can like teach the kid to fish and then. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love it so much. Me too. Oh, goodness gracious. So, okay, let's just dive in. Can you, for anybody who's like a DBT, I don't, what, can you explain what dialectical behavioral therapy is? Yeah. Um, I have always tried to break it down to just the Venn diagram, not the one that's got like six different circles, just the two <laughs> circles. Now that I'm in the entrepreneur world, I see these Venn diagram things. Everywhere. Like with like nine circles. Yes. Yeah, I know. I like know. My brain explodes. Yeah. The two circles and they intersect. So, you know, the life's contradictions. Um, but Dialectics are basically like two seemingly opposite things integrating in a harmonious way. So in the case of DBT, it's Zen mindfulness meets cognitive behavioral therapy or like assertiveness training is in there yeah. too. Um, so I just break it down like that. And, you know, they have emotion mind and reasonable mind. And then the intersection is wise mind. And that's where we want to be. The, my whole life is 
the Venn diagram. But I believe in that. Like, yeah. Black and white. Everything is gray. People do. They push it to the poles because they're scared and they don't know how to manage their fear effectively. So everything yeah. becomes black and white when the reality is, hey, everything's gray. So I'm trying to teach people to manage the anxiety that naturally comes from the unknown because gray is everything. Totally. I, I know that a lot of people, when they hear DBT, if they've heard of DBT, mm -hmm. uh, they often associate it with borderline personality. Yeah. Disorder. And we I want to just like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I just want to like kick that to the curb right away. Can you share why we need to kick that to the curb? Ooh, yes. Um, I'm not even going to get into the gender politics of that. That pisses me <laughs> off so much. Um, I will say that I wrote my dissertation in 2006, way back then, about how borderline personality and the natural developmental stage of adolescence look a hell of a lot alike. So high highs, low lows, emotions all over the place. And that if we treat, if we taught DBT in schools, as regular curriculum, we yes. could get in front of stupid diagnoses like borderline personality disorder and hella medicating people's yep. brains who are still growing. Like, oh, I know. I know. So it's, it's the, you know, I talk a lot in, in my work and on social media, a lot about and, and yeah. it's essentially DBT yes, and totally. One one of my partners, and I have consent to share this. One of my partners did is in a DBT group, has done a DBT group. And I remember the day that she came out of group and she like runs up to me and she goes, This is all just fucking ands. Yes. And I was like, Yeah, yes, exactly. So who if it isn't just for people with borderline personality mm -hmm. disorder, who is DBT for? And who Everyone. do you Beautiful. Everyone. I've seen such fantastic results with folks who have OCD symptoms because we're separating thoughts from feelings. So it doesn't matter what you think or how many thoughts you have. They're not fact. They're driven by emotion. In OCD case, fear. Uh -huh. In most people's case, fear, whether uh -huh. you have a diagnosis or not. Uh -huh. um, obviously, all kinds of bipolar because you're bringing things back to baseline off of the hump of emotional emotional activation and bringing yourself back to baseline. But when everything is geared toward helping you behave in ways that are in alignment with your values, even when you're emotionally activated, then the question becomes, who isn't DBT for? <laughs> right. We, the pandemic at least taught us that nobody has any emotional intelligence skills. Yep. Then well, we don't learn them. That is they flood the mental health system that's yes. full of isms. Yes. And yes. then famous people are donating $2 million to better help or some shit. Like, like, yeah. It's better than nothing probably, but I don't think the majority is effective.
I don't know. I'm with you. I mean, this is why I don't work with insurance companies because the idea that I have to diagnose every person that comes through my door, well, virtual door now, but comes through my door is fucking insane. Totally. And it, it's, I don't think a lot of people realize that, you know, often I'll get the question of like, oh, do you accept this insurance? And I'm like, no, I actually don't work with any insurances. And I get the like, well, that's rude. You know, like, why, why would you not do that? And when I of share, them. yeah, yeah, yes. When I share why, yeah. they're like, I didn't know that. Does that right. mean I have a diagnosis from my last therapist? Yep. Yeah. If insurance paid for it, yeah. And that's on your record forever. Oh, yes. and if you work with teens, good luck. Yeah. That's yeah. public record. Not to mention, they pay us dick. So any of <laughs> us that are good enough, Christ, I haven't taken insurance in a decade. I never took insurance. Yeah. I My mentor, when I started interning in private practice, like towards the end of my hours, was like, absolutely do not ever, no matter what you do, ever take insurance. Yeah. And I'm so grateful. It was such good That's advice. Awesome. And not just financially, but ethically. Like totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Can you share without, obviously we're not going to like teach DBT during this podcast, but I'm wondering if there's something that you can give to people as like an example of something that they may learn to be like, oh, that sounds like a preview. Yeah, definitely. Um, I put right on my website, I put the list of emotions because mm -hmm. if <laughs> for people to print it out and put it on your fridge. Because if all you do is change these, I feel statements that are really just thoughts masquerading as feelings, because any, everybody's like, I feel like I feel Oh my like God. That. It's my biggest pet peeve in the world. Dude. So that, I feel like ugh. you're an asshole is not you revealing and taking responsibility for your feelings. There ain't no emotion statement. <laughs> That's a judgment. It's a dick thing that's you know like that some shrink taught you yep so you think you can just parlay that into look how evolved i am for doing an i <laughs> statement or an i feel statement but i'm still insulting you <laughs> yeah no so, <laughs> so when you start to catch yourself anytime an i feel statement the next word is like or that that's a thought not a feeling the word that comes after the word feel has to be an emotion word. And that's where this list comes in so handy. Like start disciplining yourself to name your emotions. If you're spinning out with thoughts and you're treating your thoughts as fact, and there are a ton of them coming through, ask yourself, what am I feeling right now that is generating all these thoughts? Some of them are like, whoa, yikes. So okay, if I at least can catch that I'm having a ton of them and then ask myself, what am I feeling right now? And then go to your sheet and make yourself pick some emotion words. That practice, that alone would change the world. That practice. Yes. Yes. It's, you know, it's so, I'm, <laughs> I'm laughing so hard because if and when my partners listen to this episode, they're going to be like, fuck, someone else thinks that too. Cause when we're, when we're in conflict or, you know, things are uh, hot, um, yeah. there's, there's often, you know, I feel like da, 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 da. And I will just stop and be like, I can't, my brain shuts down, please stop. And I know how 
annoying it is to be on the other side of that. And it's all in an effort to actually understand what you're experiencing because it's impossible. I, I notice that people often use it as, um, almost like an analogy or metaphor. Like I feel like a frog on a rock that is wet. And it's like your idea of what the frog on the rock being wet is, is different than mine. You know, it it could nauseating, right? Yes. That doesn't tell me anything, nor are you making yourself take responsibility for your emotional experience. Come on, grow up. Can you say, can you say more about that? Yeah, this whole like, I feel like you're an asshole is an act. I feel like it's, it's, it's a performance of emotional intelligence without any emotional intelligence. I think in this case, emotional intelligence is taking responsibility for your, you know, when somebody says to me, um, I feel like you're being mean. I feel attacked right now. When my job is to challenge your bullshit stories to help you change. (laughs) um, And I mean, what I'm made of love. What are you talking about? I'm tolerating your bullshit day after day to help you change. That is an act of love. I'm like the least mean person, you know. So how do you feel right now? If you think I'm attacking you, how does that make you feel? feel. And then I can walk them back to the naming of emotion so they can take responsibility for their own emotions instead of just projecting that out onto me, which you can do that with me. I'm hired to help teach you how to undo that. But the world is not gracious like that. You can't just go around calling people mean every time they disagree or with you or challenge you that's not gonna work with me it's a fairly consequence free environment the world does not work that way you can't just be like everyone's an asshole you know berkeley is such a great example of this because there are so many smart well-educated people in berkeley yet intellectualizing is also in my opinion the number one defense mechanism in Berkeley. So they just project their fears out because the whole town is an undiagnosed anxiety disorder. So that they just (laughs) project that fear out onto other people or situations trying to control it. So they're self-medicating with projection of fear in the form of criticism and controlling behavior. I was going to get shirts printed up years ago. Berkeley, where you're always the asshole. (laughs) Everybody thinks they're so right about everything because that's what smart people that don't have emotional intelligence skills do. They explain ad nauseum and they don't ever name a feeling so they don't ever walk it back to, hey, you know what? My triggers are my responsibility. People think everything outside themselves is the problem. And if that just changed, I'd be fine. That is very primitive and without emotional intelligence. And that is rampant. You've probably figured this out by yourself by now. But if you own a vulva, did you know that there is a three in five chance that having penetrative sex doesn't result in an orgasm? Enter Zumio. (laughs) Zumio is a -a one-of-a-kind toy with the sole purpose of providing a unique, stimulating experience. And guess what? It doesn't even vibrate. 
It rotates with a concentrated pinpoint energy that allows you to control how and where you use it. There are four different models specifically designed for your personal intensity preferences. And Zumio is great for vulva mapping and exploring the rest of your body, whether that is solo or with a partner. Check out www.myzumio.com slash Rachel, that's R-A-C-H-E-L, for a special discount for the Right Conversations listeners and take control of your orgasms today. So why, for someone listening who's like, I don't understand why feeling your feelings or identifying feelings, communicating your feelings, like why are they important? You know, like often when I work with couples, we talk about meta emotions and it's like how you feel about your feelings. And oftentimes one person is like, I think that it's very, they're very important. I think that they're very useful. I want to share. And the other person is like, I don't get it. There's no point. I just want to talk about logic. Why do emotions matter? And I'm curious from you, why do emotions matter? Why is this so important that we have these skills, not just to regulate, like that's part nine, but like the, just the, the identification. I, I mean, I really think it's very simple. I think everyone craves connection mm. and the majority of misery that humans experience is because of a lack of connection to themselves and each other. And if you don't understand your emotions, like there's not there's nothing more illogical than denying emotions. The human animal experiences emotions and often behaves in reaction to those unacknowledged, unmanaged emotions and then they create distance with other humans. What could be more logical than learning to understand and manage your emotions in alignment with your values so you don't walk around feeling shame all the time. Can you say more about that, the connection to shame? Can you ask me something like, what do you want to hear? Yeah. Yeah. What, what happens to shame when we start identifying and regulating our emotions? What impact does that have? Well, let's first talk about what happens when you don't identify shame, which is the majority of people walking around on the planet. I, I always talk about shame as like, it's so uncomfortable. We hate the discomfort of shame in our bodies, in our minds. We try to explain it away. We try to hide from it. Mm -hmm whether that be complete denial and putting it away, whether it be projecting it onto somebody else. Um, people will shame spiral. Oh, I'm such a bad person to get out of taking responsibility for their actions. Like it's all bullshit and it's full of lies. I think the best way to deal with shame is to like come out of the shame closet. And what we call in my company and organization, um, we call it eating your shit sandwich with dignity, <laughs> which is some sort of like humble pie spinoff. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's so me. Is just cha- we. I say we say water off a duck's ass too. <laughs> I actually had a kid say to me once, "You realize, JJ, it, the saying is actually water off a duck's back, right?" <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know, but do I care? Hello, have we met? You know me, so. I just, 
outing yourself and owning it is the only effective way I know of for actually letting shame go. And then you gotta use, you gotta learn emotional intelligence skills so that when you're emotionally activated, you know how to manage your emotions enough so that your behaviors still match your values. Then that prevents shame. But people yes. who cleaned up their years of hiding out from shame in order to clean the slate and move forward without shame. I don't feel a lot of shame in my life because I am disciplined enough to act according to my values. Yeah. And I also like don't give a shit if other people are criticizing me because that's their own reasons for doing that. But the, and that takes practice. It's not just me. Anybody can do that. Mm -hmm. But when I feel shame, I don't bury it and pretend it's not there because that shit festers. Right. I will often write about it, tell somebody about it. I get it out right away so that I can move, forgive myself and move on. So if, if shame were its own diagnosis, if shame were a disorder, uh, uh, what yeah. would its symptoms be? Oh, I think they'd look a hell of a lot like narcissistic personality disorder. I got a whole book about that. Yeah. Mm, wait, say more, yeah. say more. Oh my gosh. The, the energy <laughs> it takes to bury shame when you see somebody all puffed up and like arrogance, you know, like that's not self-confidence. That's a cover for insecurity. What is insecurity? It's probably the fear around not being good enough. Well, what is not good enough? That's got shame in it for sure. And if all that needs to be buried all the time, then you have to like overcompensate by being all puffed up and like everybody's, everybody else's fault to get, you know, people can't, don't have the resilience to like absorb their part in a conflict or their part in some sort of relational rupture. You know, happy, well-adjusted people with emotional intelligence are able to take a look at their negative contribution to something, to an interaction that goes to hell in a handbasket. We got to yeah. look at our own people. Don't people carrying shame around. Don't do that. They immediately mm. project. They immediately blame. Someone will come to them and say, Oh, you, they, you hurt my feelings and they'll demonize them. Oh, you're so sensitive. You know, that's where gaslighting comes from. Yeah. It's just trying to get the shame off of them. I think the very heart of narcissism is shame. That is so interesting and makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, I love it. Okay, so before we start to wrap, oh man, I have so many questions for you. <laughs> <laughs> How can someone take action to start learning these skills? Do the, do the print out the sheet put it on the fridge. I'm not joking about that. That's yeah. not like some sort of metaphor. I want you to literally print out that sheet. And you know, the only reason, I mean, it's, it's great because it creates traffic for my website, but <laughs> I, but that's not the main reason I did it. Yeah. Uh, the main reason I did it is because those wheels that people print out that are all over the internet, they have yeah. thoughts in them. 
Most of them have attacked on it. Interested. Interest is not a feeling, dude. I, That's like, interesting. Lied, but, you know, or understood. Like, if somebody's in a habit of naming most of their emotions, I won't get in there and nitpick about I feel understood. Technically, that's not really, like, if you think you're, I'm understanding you, how does that make you feel? Love. Makes me feel happy, joy. It's usually mm-hmm. in the joy camp. Do you know how, how primitive most people's vocabulary is in the joy camp? That mm-hmm. is so heartbreaking to me. Mm-hmm. Even people that have somewhat of a vocabulary, they can name the negative ones but not the love and the joy words. And usually most people are walking around trying to pass off thoughts and diagnoses, anxious, depressed. These are diagnoses. Sadness is a very natural emotion. Oh, I'm depressed today. Yeah, depression isn't something that comes and goes by the day, dude. That's a prolonged thing. Oh, I'm feeling anxious. Really? Really? Because it feels different in the body who say, oh, I'm feeling some anxiety today, or I'm really scared to give this speech. Yeah. There's a visceral difference between owning I'm scared. And, you know, just because we're adults doesn't mean we're never scared. It's not shameful to be scared. We're human animals that have survived this long because of fear. Most in the modern world, fears aren't going to kill us like once upon a time. Uh-huh. So we go toward them, not away, but it doesn't mean we're not afraid. That's what's so great about courage. You're scared to death. It won't kill you. You do it anyway. You are going to get self-esteem points all over the place. That's going to build your self-confidence like nothing else being brave, but you have to acknowledge the fear first before you behave in a courageous way and overcome that fear. Oh, I love, I love this. Okay. <laughs> Anything you want to say <laughs> to anyone listening, yeah. like floor is yours. Anything that we haven't touched on that you really, really want to say before we, before we say bye. No, there's no way to really narrow that down. Um, I, I believe that happy people act right. Mm. And I believe that global healing can be achieved by teaching people the skills to like themselves. Because happy people don't hoard wealth or let other people starve and not care. Mm -hmm. Let children live in poverty, you know, like the Mm -hmm. natural, what I've found is I've had the privilege of helping so many people like themselves again Mm. by learning these skills and uh, based on their values, not mine. Like we don't even have to agree. Yeah. The skills work either way. You employ them according to your values. Mm -hmm. But what I've watched is like, you know, the sparkle comes back to people as they build their self-confidence in this way is they get comfortable 
with who they are, they start behaving in ways that make them proud of themselves, and they just have a wholeness about them, a self-respect, a, a positive regard for themselves, and start having more fun in their lives too. And their hearts just like overflow. The natural byproduct of liking yourself is wanting to give. To be generous with the overflow of love for yourself and connection to others, you want to teach other people what you know. People come up to me all the time. Like, they're drawn to happy people. Not toxic positivity happy. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm grateful for every goddamn thing in my life. No, you're not. You're sad and you're using <laughs> gratitude. You're bastardizing gratitude to put a Band-Aid on your sad. Deal with the sad and then you'll be actually grateful. Like you can't bypass this shit. It takes work and it takes practice, but everybody gets there if they do it and then they want to give. And if everybody does that, I don't think it's an overstatement to say that is the key to global healing. Thank you so much for everything that you're doing in the world. And for being here today, truly, I, uh, as a therapist, that's also like doing things a little outside of the traditional box. I really, really cannot tell you how deeply I appreciate what you're doing in the world. It's nice when you find a fellow like rebel, right? I like we're, cause we're like silenced a little, like it's scary yeah. to do yeah. things differently because it draws fire mm -hmm. from men, but also like from people in the mental health field yes oh yes other the clinicians most... are my like biggest trolls same same yikes dude by the yeah. way yeah i know it's scary so i appreciate meeting you and thanks for giving me the the space to passionately talk about all <laughs> the things i love to talk about absolutely if people want to connect with you download your sheet maybe even like learn from you where where can they find you where's where do you hang out and everything online? all connections to all things are drjjkelly.com my Perfect. instagram has so much free stuff too and that's just drjjkelly too like it but the the website gives you links to everything my courses and the books and everything perfect thank you thank you thank you thank you you're welcome. Thank you to you too. That's all for today, you sexy folks. What questions came to mind as you were listening? Continue the conversation with me over on Instagram at the right underscore Rachel. And don't forget, please leave a rating and a review so that we can continue erasing shame and stigma together.